0: Fine. Uh, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Mark 1 uh, this morning. We're going to be in Mark 1, starting in verse 35. Continuing in our series, talking about our values. Oh, no, Lucien, not yet. Don't, don't toss it up there. Keep it, you keep it a little, yeah, build the anticipation. Uh, we're talking through our values, why we do things as Christians, why we do things as a church. And so this morning, we are going to be talking about prayer. Why we pray? What does it mean to pray? all those things. Uh, when I was in college, I, uh, I worked at a church in Chilliwack and I was at school at, uh, in Abbotsford. So every Tuesday I would have to drive over to Chilliwack and then drive back. So immediately after school, after my class at 5.15, I'd drive up to, to Chilliwack, go and do the youth program, then come back, go to bed, go to class in the morning. Uh, and, and it was a tedious drive, but the best thing about that drive was on my way back from Chilliwack, I would get to call my parents. And so being out in, uh, in the world, it was nice to connect with my parents, but not always. Not that it wasn't always nice. I just didn't always do it. Uh, when I first went out of the house, I kind of took pride in not calling my parents because I was like a, a man. And uh, so I remember I was in a program and I was talking to someone. And I was like, I haven't called my mom in four months. She's like, what? <laughs> Why? <laughs> Call your mom. And so then, so then I started calling my mom and, and, and you know, started to see the, the benefits of that. One, the benefit being that my parents enjoyed hearing from the son whom they raised and hearing what I was doing and, and hearing all those things. But, but also the benefits of uh, getting encouragement, right? Spending time uh, working through what I was going through or, or talking through the things that I was either struggling with or, or things that were going on when I was studying the Bible. And, and they were able to speak into that. And I was able to be very free in what I said because I was speaking to people who I knew genuinely cared about me who loved me deeply and and had my best interest in mind. And so why do we pray? What is the point of prayer? Does it work? These are things we're going to be exploring today. And and my conviction is that prayer is the backbone of what we do as a church. It, It is the backbone of what we do as individuals for two reasons. One, it's a link that God has gifted to us where we can openly and freely come to him to listen to him, to be heard from uh, or, or to be heard by him and guided through a relationship with him uh, second it's a command that Jesus gives to bring honor and glory to the father as we seek to do his purpose here on earth and so this morning in, in mark chapter 1 uh, we'll we'll be going through prayer and 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 biblical scholars agree that Mark was written off the eyewitness account of uh, Peter and, and Peter was this very kind of impulsive and and uh, a direct person. And so Mark, as a book, is, is also that. It's very fast-paced. It's very direct. And, and there's a lot of immediately's and, and at that moment's and immediate and all that kind of stuff. So it, it's a fun read to go through. And, uh, but, we, but we don't just see Mark writing everything that Peter said, right? As all biblical authors do, Mark had a purpose in what he was writing. And, and Mark's purpose was he wanted to show that Jesus is the Son of God, who has come to usher in the kingdom of God. The way that Jesus does this in the book of Mark, though, is different than the other gospels. In the book of Mark, Jesus is highlighted as the servant of God. You see Jesus doing a lot in the Gospel of Mark. He, he does miracles, and he casts out demons, and he eats with, with people, and, and all of this supplements a teaching on the kingdom of God being at hand. So he shows the kingdom of God in power, and he teaches the kingdom of God in power, but the highlight very much is in what Jesus does. So Mark 1, immediately, we, we kind of skip past the birth of Jesus. It's not mentioned in Mark uh, and we go right to John the Baptist, then we get to the baptism of Jesus, then we get Jesus casting out demons and eating with people and calling people, and this kind of fast-paced continues where there's 11, in the first 30 verses, there's 11 immediately's, and immediately, and immediately, and immediately, so this fast-paced Jesus we see, and, and so as you're reading this, you kind of expect it to keep going because Jesus' fame is growing, and, and, he, and he's building up a repertoire of, of miracles and and he's going through Galilee with these amazing marks and, and signs and wonders of God's kingdom. And then we get to Mark 1, 35, And it says this. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate, desolate place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Let's pray, Jesus, thank you for this morning and the worship that we could already uh, partner in with your spirit as we declare your goodness and and who you are and and sing uh, actually exactly what I'm about to preach. (laughs) Thank you for your spirit that guides us. And Lord, as we focus on prayer, would our hearts be tender? And would you speak to us and guide us and transform us? God, anything that's not of you, would it be forgotten? And ultimately, more of you and more for your glory, Jesus. Pray us in your name. Amen. Jesus prayed. Jesus was too busy not to pray. In his demonstration of who Jesus is as the Son of God, what is important to him, Mark highlights Uh, alongside showing compassion and power that Jesus valued prayer, right? For Peter to remember this and highlight it, for Mark to then take that and write it down, this would have been more than this one-time occurrence where Jesus went out and prayed. This would have been a common thing that Peter would have witnessed and that Mark would have heard to highlight it in his book for the purpose of showing that Jesus is the Son of God, right? This retreat and, and time spent seeking God in prayer and there's this helpful idea when you're studying the Bible that if something is repeated, it, it's often worth paying attention to, right? And so the, the idea of prayer or prayers in the Bible, there's 600 f- over 650 prayers in the Bible. So I Googled. <laughs> I did not count them myself, just to put it out there. Um, Jesus, though, praying, is mentioned in every single one of the Gospels. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Jesus is highlighted as going and praying. Whether it's praying after a miracle is done whether it's praying before he goes and is crucified, whether it's praying after he calls his disciples, Jesus goes out and he prays. Why? Because prayer is a gift that is given by God to ask for what he has already promised to do. And the strength of our prayer is found not in in, in the, the depth of our faith or in how accurate our prayer is. The strength of our prayer is found in the character of God. When we see prayer throughout scripture, uh, when we sing about, uh, I've witnessed it and and I've witnessed your faithfulness, we are calling on the name and character of God, right? God Almighty, the God who sees, the great healer, Father, compassionate, faithful, all these character traits of God give power to the prayer of his people because they're praying for God to remain consistent to his character, do what you have already promised. And, and so the deeper we know God, the more focused our prayers can be, right? And the more we can pray into his character. Uh, when I was younger, and I'll say younger, this is a story you might hear and think he was five or six. I was 18, <laughs> maybe 19. I was too old. Um, but I was out, uh, I was visiting my sister in Victoria, and we were in downtown Victoria hanging out, and we got separated, and I grew up in Powell River, and I'm scared of public transit. <laughs> and uh, then we got separated, and she wasn't answering her phone, and I was frightened. I was scared. And uh, so then in my brain of, of panic, I, I was walking around, and I saw that these paramedics had had uh, roped off an area because something had happened. And so I went up to one of the paramedics, and I was like, hey, have you seen my sister? <laughs> And he was like, "No," and I was like, "No, you don't get it. She's a nurse, so like you probably know her. Her name's Chelsea. Have you seen her?" And he was like, "Please go away." I was like, "That's fair. <laughs> it's understandable." <laughs> what went wrong <laughs> with what I was asking, or who I was asking? I was I was operating under a lot of misunderstanding. Right? I misunderstood uh, the guy's knowledge of who my sister was because <laughs> I misunderstood his position. My request was ridiculous in light of who he was and what he could do. My request itself was unnecessary as my sister uh, was actually just in the bathroom. <laughs> so similarly, the requests we make of God can feel like we're just throwing things out and, and, and hoping they stick, right? God, do something. God, help me. God, show yourself. And, and these aren't bad prayers, right? Sometimes those are the necessary prayers where there's nothing else we can do. We throw those out. But, but prayer is... The strength of our prayers is in the character of God. When, when we are in pain, we call on the God who heals, right? Who cleanses the leper. We pray that he does what he has already done again. We, we need peace. We ask in the name of the Prince of Peace. When we're seeking purpose, we, we ask in the power of the one who created all things, who ordered all things according to his creation to reflect his joy and his glory, which doesn't mean that our prayer needs to be perfect because in the end, God knows what we need before we speak it. But when we start to highlight who God is, we start to focus on who God is, when when our knowledge of God becomes deeper and our maturity and, and who we know God to be becomes deeper, then we begin to see what God is doing better. But Jesus is God, so why did he need to pray, right? If prayer is asking God for things, couldn't Jesus have accomplished God's will without prayer? And I think these questions bring us to, to the motivation of prayer. We, we don't know what Jesus prayed in this instant. The, the scripture doesn't say it, but we can draw some conclusions from, from how we've seen Jesus pray uh, throughout the Gospels, uh, whether that's in the upper room or in the garden. He often prays and mostly prays to center himself on the will of God and pray to the glory of God through his relationship with the Father. Prayer at its base level is asking, but it's not asking in this vacuum of of relationship, right? Going door to door and hoping that that someone can answer the, the, the call or answer your cause. But praying to the Father is asking for something in the context of deep relationship. Our prayer life is then impacted and driven by the good news of the kingdom of God, that the same closeness that Jesus has with the Father through the unit of the Spirit, we also have. Because in the Bible, and as uh, Sam was leading us, he used this uh, sentence a lot, which is "Thank you, Holy Spirit," because we did not talk prior to this. Um, when when people are referred to as followers of Jesus in the Bible, it's not mostly it's it's not overwhelmingly Christian. It's not even followers of Jesus; they're referred to ones who are in Christ. To be in Christ means that we can have confidence in coming to the Father, knowing that we will not be turned away because we carry with us. His righteousness or his right standing because when Jesus died, his physical curtain in the temple that that symbolically represented a separation between God's holiness and, and, and the created world was torn from top to bottom so that we have access to the presence of God. We carry with us forgiveness because Jesus took on the entirety of rebellion and brokenness once and for all so that nothing can separate us from God's presence, not, not shame and, and not sin. And we carry with us salvation and new life because Jesus rose in victory, putting all things, even death, under his feet as divine king. All of this we have as a reality because the spirit that has been placed in us, As believers, you are filled with the Holy Spirit of God as we repent and believe the good news of, of who Jesus is. And so prayer then is more than an opportunity to get things. Prayer is an invitation into a deeper relationship with the one who created us, who knows us, and then who sends us to the world on mission for his kingdom. Coming out of his prayer time, Jesus seems to have a clear understanding of what he is to do next. Right? The disciples, they say, everyone's looking for you. Everyone's excited to see you. We should go and, and keep doing what you're doing because we're building up fame. And, and Jesus says, we got to move on. We're going to the next town so that I can continue to preach because that is what I am here to do. When we spend time in the presence of God, praying into the character of God and pressing into our identity as people in Christ, the natural follow-up is having a clearer understanding of the will of God. When Jesus prays, he he prays that the Father would be glorified in heaven with what he does. And the follow-up is guidance by the Holy Spirit to his next opportunity for ministry. It says that Jesus both preached and cast out demons as he went, not for his own glory, but so that people would know God and be restored into a right relationship with him. Okay, but if prayer is to, to know God and to ask him to do what he has promised to do, then what is the point of praying? Right. Does it actually change anything? Uh, and to this, you know, I'd say prayer does not change God. But prayer changes things. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Right? His promises, His purposes, His character, they are consistent, they are unchanging. We can We can believe and trust in the faithfulness of God. But... In his divine sovereignty, God has chosen humans as vessels for his gospel work in the world, right? He has chosen to use the prayers of his people to, to order the world towards restoration. And we can have confidence that when we pray, things change. When we pray, we can, we can have confidence that the God of all love, all truth, all compassion, all justice will answer according to his purposes and his will. And if his answer is simply a, a better understanding of my need for him each day, then I think that answer is worthy of the time we spend in prayer. But then what if prayer goes unanswered, right? What about when my good and just longings seem to go unheard by God? How can I trust that he's good when so much is broken and he doesn't have an answer for me? And we're going to get to that, but I want to uh, first work through the next story in, in the Gospel of Mark, and that's as he cleanses the leper. So we're going to go to uh, verse 40. It says this, and, and a leper came to him, imploring him and, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and, and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once, and said to him, "See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priests and offer your cleansing, uh, and, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them." But he went out and began to talk freely about it, and to spread the news, so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in a desolate uh, was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. Leprosy uh, is a brutal, brutal disease. Uh, the lepers, uh, they start getting bumps, and then out of that comes wounds, and then out of the wounds comes uh, appendages starting to fall off and, and rot and, and eyes starting to disintegrate and teeth falling out, all leading to an eventual and, and, uh, but, but prolonged death. Uh, people often consider lepers to be this kind of walking dead, but, but it gets worse. The social rejection of leprosy in the ancient Near East was almost as unbearable as the physical consequence. You, you were disregarded, you were thrown away, you were left for dead. You could have no contact with family. Anytime you were near someone, you had to yell out that you were unclean. No temple, you didn't, you didn't get to go worship, no housing. Your only hope was really that God would heal you because there was no cure. And so this, this social rejection, you'd think, man... Leprosy must, like, you, you can't be near a leper, you're going to get it. Leprosy isn't actually that contagious, which is the wild thing. It, it would take months of prolonged contact, like intimate contact with the leper for it to transfer. It's not transferred by handshake, it's not transferred by hug, it's not transferred by a conversation. They were treated horribly because uh, in the Hebrew scripture, our Old Testament, they were ceremonially, ceremonia, ceremonially unclean. And so they must be washed to enter into the presence of God. Right? But unclean didn't mean sinful. Right? Unclean meant defiled, needing to be purified before entering into a holy place. And, and the clean, unclean paradigm that we see in, in the Old Testament is meant to illustrate a metaphor, right? That God is holy and he has chosen his people to be holy, to be set apart. So they must be cleansed by God in order to be set apart from what is defiled and leading to death. And they must be raised into what is pure and leads to life. And so this leper goes up to Jesus, already against the law. He shouldn't have gone up to Jesus. He didn't say he was unclean. He he went, he knelt, he fell before him, and he begs him. But he doesn't beg him to, to heal him. Like, the language is important here. He says, you can make me clean. Right? He says, you can restore me to a place of ceremonial cleanliness and social cleanliness. He says, he says, make me clean. And so what does Jesus do? He, he touches him. And in the Old Testament, when you touch a leper, you also become unclean. You would have to be uh, cast out for seven days to perform purification rituals and then, and then come back in. But Jesus's touch did not make him unclean. It, it cleansed the leper. And this is Jesus' compassion and power fully on display. He, he touches the untouchable. He heals the unhealable. Jesus could have healed with a word, As he'd done before, he could have healed with with a prayer. He, He could have even healed with a handkerchief because we see that happening in the Bible as well. But he chose to reach out and to touch the man. And that shows that there's nothing that will separate Jesus from reaching out to cleanse his people and to be close. Whatever you think you need from God, what you most need from Jesus is cleansing, to be cleansed from sin, to be cleansed from a life that is lived for self, to be brought into a deeper understanding of the new life available to you as you walk in Christ. Right Before Christ cleanses us, we are all spiritual lepers, rotting away in selfish ambition, Insecure ego, deathly pursuit of fame or for fortune or affirmation. And the greatest miracle that, that one can experience or hope to witness is a life that is cleansed by Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit where, where the dominion of sin is destroyed, the gates of hell are trampled, the angels rejoice as another child is brought into the family of God. That is the cleansing of Jesus in our life. But, but it still begs the question, but what about getting uh, something that I desire? What, what about getting what I want through prayer, right? Healings or, or gifts. God does that, doesn't he? And if he does it for others, why doesn't he do it for me? Right. And, and, and um, I appreciate what Pastor Sam said about this uh, a few months ago. Where he says if someone pretends to have all the answers, they, they might just be lying to you. <laughs> I don't have all the answers with why God doesn't answer every prayer. But I see in, in our scripture that Jesus' primary focus here was not the miracle. His primary focus was internal transformation. Right? He tells the leper, don't say anything. Go and show yourself to the priests. Pay, do the, the, the purity, show yourself cleansed, get reinstated into society, have some dinner with your family, go live a, a new life. And, and what would the response, uh, what should it have been? Well, the man worshipped Jesus as God, and and he obeyed everything that he said. And he went, and and he and he, you know, glorified God. But his response, uh, which is funny, uh, this I did I was looking through. Uh, when Jesus does miracles, there are different responses, uh, especially in the Book of Mark, and and sometimes it's they they bowed and they worshipped God, and then other times it's just they went out and spoke. And generally, when they go out and speak, it's not uh, to the glory of God. And and here we see that. And he goes out, he speaks freely, and. Uh, His disobedience, even though his heart might have been in the right place, but his disobedience became a hurdle to Jesus' ministry because Jesus couldn't enter towns anymore. He had to be out in desolate places. When the miracle becomes the main focus, the ministry became hindered. I know a guy uh, whose leg was miraculously grown a few inches. Uh, He was delivered from chronic pain. Uh, He's an atheist now. Another guy healed from anxiety at a conference, atheist, a girl who was free from addiction, got baptized on the spot, atheist. The miracles, scripture, the miracles in our lives, they're never meant to be the focus, but to supplement our understanding of the restorative power of who God is and what he does in our lives and in the world. And so don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying unanswered prayers are a sign that you would be a hurdle to God. I'm not saying that they are unanswered because you lack faith or because God doesn't want your best or your prayer isn't good enough or God is angry with you and holding back. What I'm saying is unanswered prayers are reminders that God's ways are different than ours. And unanswered prayers are invitations to press deeper into relationship with the one who knows you deepest, who loves you beyond your wildest imagination. The the greatest miracle we can hope for is that our hearts would fall deeper in line with God's so that we can be his hands and feet to the world around us and more can um, come to understand who God is and the transformation that comes from knowing the gospel, that they can be brought from death to life, that even though circumstance might not change, that they can still experience deep joy, deep peace, deep transformation. And so this is why we emphasize prayer in church. That's why we emphasize prayer here in things like uh, prayer meetings on Monday, every Monday meeting to to pray uh, through an order of praying for the nations and praying for leaders and praying for one another, praying for the church. That's why we do prayer teams and prayer trainings. That's why we have prayer chains. That's why we do individual prayer. That's why we do corporate prayer. That's why we have uh, spiritual recess. And that's why we have prayer on this side, prayer all over the place because we want to be brought into a deeper relationship with God, relying on his promises and seeking his will. Our desire is to pray for the nation's uh, and pray for the wars that are going on so that there would be a great move of God where we can see and be amazed and bow in worship to the God of peace. We, we pray for healing so that we can express the, the beauty of spiritual healing and how it brings us into a place of wholeness. We, we want to see the, the dead raised so that we can point to the new and eternal life that comes when someone gives their life to Jesus. Right? We supplement our understanding uh, of who God is with, with these miracles and these things that happen. But our focus is, what is God doing in us? What is God doing in his people? How is he transforming? And So I'll invite the team up as we finish here. And, and so this is why we need to take note of, uh, from the actions and the commands of Jesus and make prayer a habit in our lives. Right. When was the last time that you set aside a specific time to, to pray and, and to seek God? Not to be overwhelmed by having to pray for everything, but just spending time to seek relationship, to, to speak and be heard, to listen and, and be guided. Um, it's not something that I have done great in the past even. And so I have now set five alarms on my phone or on my watch. So, so at nine, at 12, at three, at six, and at nine, I get a little vibration that just says pray. So I set aside two minutes and I'll pray, whether that's with my daughters or with my wife or just alone. It's going to be in the middle of second service, so that will be fun. Um, <laughs> when, when was the last time that you prayed, right? Through, through uh, a program that we started running here, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, we learned the, the power that comes from solitude and silence, spending time, specific time devoted to seeking God not through speaking a lot of words to him, but, but through being silent and, and listening. Right, even, even five minutes every few hours. To remain connected to God throughout our day is to remain connected to the eternal life that he offers. Right? So prayer is the backbone of our church, and it, and it needs to be the backbone of our lives as we seek to live in relationship with our Father. So as you go, spend time considering your habit of prayer and and how you can make time this week to connect with God, trusting in his goodness and your place before him. And and if you're not a believer and you're not in that place of of praying, my encouragement would be seek God in his character. right. So if if there's something specific you're looking for, look in the Bible. right. See that he's the God of either faithfulness or the God who sees or the God who heals and pray into that character. and, And I believe he'll reveal himself. let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this morning and for your word that you you cleanse the leper, that your power uh, is so far beyond what we can even imagine as you seek to uh, bring honor and glory to God the Father. So help us, Lord, as as people who are in Christ, to, to trust who we are in you, and then to act out of that, trusting that our relationship with you is not hindered by sin or by rebellion, but it is, it is open, it is free, it is uh, intimate. And so we can come to you with our requests, we can come to you with our burdens, we can come to you with our joy. God, for those who, who don't know you, we ask that you would reveal yourself, uh, be consistent to your character as one who, who reveals, who heals, and who, who transforms. So God, we thank you, and yeah, may our worship continue to be honored to you.